Hello, this is Dr. Dan Guerra coming to you from Authentic Biochemistry. Today is the 10th day of October 2019, and we're going to continue to talk about leptin, the adipokine that functions to ameliorate the orexigenic um, induction of dietary intake coming from the adipose tissue. We had mentioned a couple of ways that leptin is regulated, and I'm going to now dive deeply into that and then talk about some clinical um, associations. So a paper published a few years back in the Journal of Neuroscience back in 2013 <laughs> was published on that protein tyrosine phosphatase 1B. Now remember that phosphatase is induced when leptin binds to its dimer receptor, the long form, in the plasma membrane. Now, that phosphatase actually starts to counteract leptin signaling. There's a specific domain on that um, uh, uh, phosphatase called the LMO4. So that domain, or the limb domain, limb domain only four, <laughs> inhibits the PTB1B activity. So that limb domain is actually part of the leptin uh, dimer long-form receptor. It does so by increasing the oxidized inactive form of that protein, PTB1-beta. And if you get neuronal ablation of that domain, the, the LMO4, you actually have an elevated level of the phosphatase, and that then impairs the hypothalamic leptin signaling. And if you inhibit the PTB1B protein, you get back to a normalized activity <laughs> that restores leptic control of circulating insulin levels. So there's an interaction, therefore, directly between leptin, leptin receptor signaling, the phosphatase, which decreases the signaling, and insulin activity, particularly the amount of circulating insulin. So leptin controls the level of circulating insulin as long as that phosphatase is controlled. <clears throat> so that LMO4, that particular uh, domain, that would be a functional domain of the receptor, is actually palmitylated in its C-terminal uh, cysteine residue. And if you delete that residue, it prevents palmitylation and it causes a retention of that domain at the ER, and what that does is inhibit, excuse me, it abolishes its inhibitory effect. So <laughs> LMO4 palmitylation therefore is sensitive to metabolic stress and then directly affects leptin signaling. So palmitylation is sensitive to metabolic stress. Indeed, mice challenged with a brief high-fat diet or an acute intracerebroventricular infusion of specifically saturated fatty acid like palmitate had less palmitylated LMO4, less oxidized PTB1B, and therefore an increased phosphatase activity in the hypothalamus. Thus, unleashed phosphatase 1B activity attributable to the loss of that subunit Palmitylation, the LMO4 palmitylation, may possibly account for the rapid loss of central leptin signaling after ex acute exposure 
to saturated fatty acid. So you can see that insulin is interacting there and the dietary saturated fatty acid may also be. Also keep in mind that lipoprotein laden with high levels of saturated fatty acid can also be um, controlling this pathway. So that was in a paper published in the Journal of Neuroscience, July, 23rd, July 31st of 2013. Uh, and the volume on that was 33 in the pages 12647 and ongoing. So <clears throat> now here's another thing to consider. This is from a paper published in 2017. Okay. And what it basically says is the following there are physiological responses to systemic inflammation. And there's, and there's a scheme that summarizes this. So at systemic inflammation, for example, if you induce with LPS, lipopolysaccharide, you're going to increase the amount of uh, cytokines, one uh, interleukin-1 beta and TNF-alpha. That's going to increase leptin, which is then going to activate the HPA axis. All of that will cause systemic inflammation, which will increase body temperature. And at low PS, low LPS, you'll get high ambient temperature and you'll get fever. At high LPS, you'll get low ambient temperature and hypo, hypothermia. Behaviorally, you get decrease in locomotor activity and a decrease in food intake. Okay, so it looks like there's a role for leptin in controlling body temperature and the inflammatory response. So again, this is a very interesting association. Now, does it, is that linked to the phosphatase? It might well be, because remember that lipopolysaccharide induces the immune response, and the immune response can control the movement of free fatty acid for use in beta oxidation. So it's possible the saturated fatty acids play a role there, although maybe indirectly. But that wasn't uh, that wasn't analyzed in this particular paper. Now, <clears throat> it is known that chronic inflammation with aging contributes to the decrease in musculature, muscle cell um, integrity, and that is called sarcopenia. This is a paper published in BMC, Musculoskeletal Disorder, 2019, volume 20, page 199, ongoing. What this paper says is that chronic inflammation with aging, which contributes to sarcopenia, and, the, and studies have suggested that there's accumulation of adipose tissue in skeletal muscle. And of course, that's called intermuscular adipose tissue, or IMAT. That increases with age. It's associated with inflammation. However, the mechanism governing that inflammation due to aging isn't really understood, although leptin, which is again an adipocytokine or an adipokine, is derived from the adipose tissue. And we've been saying all along it's an important mediator of the inflammatory response, like I just told you, with fever. So this paper examined changes in leptin levels with age and whether leptin contributes to what's known as ectopic inflammation. So once again, we're linking back, we're, we're, we're circling back into uh, inflammatory response. <laughs> so <coughs> the results of this paper, <laughs> which was done in rats, show that aged rats have a significantly high le higher level of interleukin-6, 
okay? They also had higher levels of a muscle breakdown-related gene called MRF1 and another protein called atrogen-1 uh, as derived from the quadricep muscle, okay? So age RAS is significantly higher in interleukin-6, MRF1, and atrogen-1, but not one uh, interleukin-1-beta or tumor necrosis factor alpha. Anyways, the greater levels of another protein called IMAT seem to be linked. And IMAT, uh, excuse me, IMAT is the intramuscular adipose tissue. So greater levels of IMAT in the quadricep muscles uh, were found in the aged rats versus the young rats. Remember that, okay? And that seems to be linked to the expression of all those other proteins I just mentioned to you, many of which are pro-inflammatory. So aged rats has significantly higher leptin expression and leptin protein levels in their quadricep muscles than the young rats, presumably because of all of this, again, intramuscular uh, intramuscular lipid in the skeletal muscle, okay? So remember, that's that's what they're measuring. So the addition of exogenous leptin to that quadricep muscle system significantly increased gene expression of uh, interleukin-1-beta and interleukin-6, but not of TNF-alpha. So what we include in this paper is that elevated leptin due to aging, <coughs> which is caused by that high level of intermuscular adipose tissue that builds up in aged quadricep muscles in mammals. This is, again, a rodent model, a rat study. Seems to then cause inflammation called ectopic inflammation that's in, in the muscle tissue and it works through interleukin-6 primarily, uh, and that is something you observe in aged rats. So it's really interesting. It looks like leptin then has a, a direct role in promoting ectopic inflammation by enhancing the expression of pro-inflammatory cytokines like IL-6. So not, not a good uh, role for leptin again in this, in this system, right? All right. Uh, it's a paper that goes back a few more years, back in 2007, published in American Journal of Pathology. This was in volume 170, page 427. Now, what this paper was looking at, again, is in aging tissue. So people live longer, so you get more degenerative diseases of the skeletal system, including skeletal muscle and bone. In, skele- in the skeletal systems, therefore, you get osteoporosis, um, and that gets becomes increasingly prevalent with aging. Now, regardless of the cause of that, and I've talked about that in other Verivmed and Authentic Biochemistry lectures, regardless of the cause, osteoporosis reflects a relative enhancement of osteoclastic activity. So the unique bone resorptive cell, that's the osteoclast, is a, therefore a prominent therapeutic target. So a number of key observations provided insights into the mechanisms uh, by which the precursors to the system commit to osteoclast phenotype, and, and therefore then downstream how those cells degrade bone. As it turns out, the osteoclast is a member of a monocyte macrophage family, and it different. So it actually comes from an innate immune cell lineage. It differentiates under the aegis of two critical cytokines. And those are rank ligand and MCSF, okay? 
So tumor necrosis factor alpha, TNF-alpha, also promotes osteoclastogenesis. And there's an, an intimate relationship with bone surface area and another protein called integrin, the alpha-V-beta-3 integrin, which actually transmits matrix-derived cytoskeletal organizing signals. Okay, So that integrin system transmitting a signal includes the activation of associated proteins, which ones? CSERC, SYK, VAB3, and a small family of rho GTPases. <clears throat> so the organized cytoskeleton generates an isolated microenvironment between the cell's plasma membrane and the bone surface, in which the matrix mineral is mobilized by the acidic milieu that's generated, and the organic matrix becomes degraded by your standard uh, lysosomal proteases, uh, particularly cathepsin K. And so skeletal mass and structure dictate the lifestyle, of course, of many Americans. 50% of women reaching 65 or older will experience some kind of osteoporosis, usually in the form of a pathology of a fracture. <coughs> Skeletal health, of course, is going to have a profound uh, impact on aging and you know morbidity and mortality. But despite that reputation of having problems with osteoporosis, bone itself is an ever-changing organ, and it becomes remodeled with continuous activity of the osteoclasts and then the osteoblast, which generates new bone. Now, because osteoclasts are culprits in many of these diseases, uh, both systemic and local bone loss, their activity is essential for the process of bone remodeling that replaces uh, otherwise poorly structured now brittle bone with new bone material. Okay, so... The osteoclastic event is actually a good thing because it recycles old bone and allows for the synthesis of new bone. Now, all of that is linked to these pro-inflammatory cytokines, which are associated with leptin, okay? So once again, leptin is playing a role not just in lipid metabolism, but here in bone formation and bone degeneration. Again, in aging, this in humans and in the rodent models. All right. So, <clears throat> excuse me, we've been saying, we've been talking all this time, last several episodes in authentic biochemistry, that leptin is an adipocytokine. Its activities associated with development and maintenance of a lot of pro-inflammatory immune responses. Just now we're talking about bone uh, desorption and remineralization. And a paper published in PNAS in 2016 volume 113, page 10637 and ongoing, suggested that there is a genetic deficiency of leptin and it protected mice from systemic lupus erythematosus, or SLE, and a reduced production of autoantibodies associated with renal disease. So here, deficiency of leptin decreased SLE and decreased renal disease. So in fact, in a spontaneous animal model of SLE, <coughs> the administration of leptin promoted an acceleration of the disease, whereas a blockade of leptin using uh, pharmacotherapeutics protected from that autoimmunity. So it looks like leptin has a direct negative effect 
on SLE, right, on lupus. Because leptin isn't a diposidokine and it plays a role in the modulation of immune responses, it therefore develops a control over the maintenance of inflammation. So changing levels of leptin are elevated, it's been shown, in SLE patients. But it wasn't clear what the association does and how does that reflect a direct influence on how leptin can be pro-pathogenic, ultimately leading to SLE. So this paper investigated this and they compared the extent of susceptibility of SLE and lupus between leptin deficient, those are the OBOB mice, and the H2-matched leptin-sufficient wild type. This again is in mice. <clears throat> All right. And both of those had been treated with lupus-inducing agent called pristane. So leptin deficiency protected the OB mice from the development of autoantibodies and renal disease and increased the frequency in, in this mouse model of spontaneous SLE, where elevated leptin levels correlated with disease manifestation and the administration of leptin accelerated development of the ozone antibodies, um, which are then committed to renal disease in the system. So conversely, leptin antagonism delayed the lead uh, delayed disease progression, increases survival of severely nephritic mice. And so at the uh, cellular level, leptin promoted effector T-cell responses and facilitated the presentation of self-antigens to those T-cells, presumably through the MHC2. So it inhibited the activity of regulatory CD4 T-cells, which is also a key feature here. So the understanding of the role of leptin then in modulating the autoimmune response in SLE probably is going to allow leptin to be a target in lupus. So we don't really know the causes of lupus, and they remain unclear, but there's a consensus that genetics and the environment work together, uh, probably through the activity of downstream endocrine hormones. Um, and that plays some role in the pathogenesis of the disease. Now, among the hormones that were looked at for the pathogenesis of SLE, some of the sex hormones like estradiol and prolactin have been shown to contribute to the gender bias, female bias, and characterization of that disease, okay? So in addition to those hormones I just mentioned, like estradiol and prolactin, less characterized gender-related factors are believed also to take an important role uh, and there is a preponderance of this typically observed in the lupus model. So leptin, is, as you may know, is a sexually dimorphic hormone cytokine with a very strong pro-inflammatory activity, and that is linked to autoimmune phenotypes. And although others have shown that leptin uh, is elevated in lupus patients, it, until this paper was published, it wasn't known whether or not abnormal levels were found in SLE and that that was associated with the chronic inflammatory state uh, and therefore further development of lupus. So what they showed in this paper was that the development of uh, systemic lupus, including the autoantibody production and the renal disease, both those linked, <coughs> actually required leptin, both experimentally induced SLE and in a spontaneous mouse model of the disease. They showed that leptin block K protected lupus mice from disease progression and associated with the induction of an immunoregulatory response. 
Together with those results underscores a promoting role of leptin in SLE and the hint of the possibility of leptin antagonism in the management of aberrant inflammatory responses to that disease. I'm going to leave you with, with the beginning of another very interesting paper just recently published in Contemporary Oncology uh, from Poland. This was published in 2019, volume 23, page uh, 63 and ongoing. Okay. Now, what this paper talks about is that obesity is a risk factor in cancer. I think we all are well aware of that. Clinicians know this as well as us experimental biochemists, physiologists, pathophysiologists. BC is a risk factor in cancer. What kind of cancers? The full gamut, esophageal, breast, colon, rectum, endometrium, even gallbladder, stomach, kidney, liver, and ovary, and pancreas, and even menin meningiomas. okay? It's been known that the leptin OB LEP on chromosome 7, right, regulates body mass homeostasis by lowering appetite, that's the leptin gene, via total mass depot fat positive regulation in normal healthy humans. The regulation relies on suppressing the synthesis, we, we covered this in previous discussions, of neuropeptide hypothalamic Y, okay, which is the main stimulator of food intake. So by controlling appetite and bioenergetics via body mass, body fat mass then indirectly, leptin is the key homeostatic adipokine hormone for that whole system. Obese-associated hyperleptinemia is the dysregulation of that homeostasis. And it's due to leptin resistance and it's acquired via mutagenesis of the leptin receptor. So we're going to stop there today because I want to continue on with this paper. And there's a lot of interesting de uh, detail in the data. And I want to pull that out and look at the evidence. But what I'm going to do now is uh, sign off from a remote location where I'm uh, taping this. And um, we'll, we'll pick this back up either tomorrow or the next day. So this is Dr. Dan Gawera from Authentic Biochemistry saying bye for now.